Welcome everybody to the Daily Objective. I'm with Seth Levine. Wait, is it Levine or Levine? Uh, like I always think Adam yeah. Levine. I think that's how he pronounces it, right? Yeah, it's, uh, I always musician. get mi- I always get mixed up with these, you know, um, you know, ambiguous sort of pronunciation. <laughs> but it is uh, it is yeah. the commonly Levine. Levine. Okay, that's what I thought. Uh, Seth Levine, uh, and we are going to be talking about my collectivist age. In other words, when did you hear about objectivism? How did it affect your life? But also, like, you know, how did you come to it? Your your kind of story, and and how did you maybe push out some of the negative things that were might maybe already in your your consciousness? Whatever. We're going to talk about when we came to it, the differences in different ages. You know, I came to it a little bit earlier than Seth. We, we were talking about before the show, so I think that made. So I think I went through some of the things that he sees as the negatives. Uh, which I agree with him now that I'm 36 and we're going to talk a little bit about that, but tell us about your views in the super chat, or if you have a green, uh, like Robert and a, a, um, Ali, I will try to read your story. Like how old were you when you first met Ayn Rand? You know, was there like a moment when you had a big revelation, not about Ayn Rand's philosophy, but about maybe how you were acting as you accepted it, acting in the world. So Seth, this was actually your idea for a show, and I think it's a great idea. Why don't you tell us a little bit about the setup? Yeah, so I just think it's a fascinating topic. So I'm, uh, I'm 42 now, just to give everyone context. I came to objectivism in probably in my early to mid 30s. And it was a really, I mean, it was just really kind of almost random how, how I came across it. Like I came to object. So I didn't like read Atlas shrugged as a teenager and it blew my mind or anything, um, which is, you know, very, you know, which is the, the, the common way um, I think, or maybe the most common way I came to it really. I had a friend, like I was kind of, it's kind of like into capitalism, like not like I really, I wasn't really into politics, but I just felt like, you know, kind of very traditional left of center, um kind of view of the world like yeah we need capitalism but not too much like we should have a little bit of regulation because you can't let these people run free yada yada and like i had a friend who just kept mentioning ayn rand and i was like like what are you talking like moral uh, like morality and i was like what are you talking about right so anyway long story short yeah like i ended up ended up reading philosophy who needed it uh philosophy who needs it and like that just blew my mind i was like wait everyone needs a philosophy and i don't know what mine is like that seems really important. So anyway, I came to Rand kind of at that stage, kind of coming into it, like from the nonfiction. And it wasn't until like later that I read the fiction. And really, like my focus was on like, how do I fix the ideas in my head? Mm-hmm. And, you know, kind of doing that, I spent, you know, maybe like 10 years or so, like really unwinding and rethinking almost like everything that I believed. And like, it was really hard. So mm-hmm. You know, when I, you know, so like, it just brings like a different perspective, I think, to like, when I interact with people, um, kind of, kind of the, the psychological motivations behind people. Yeah, I mean, I, so I came to objectivism a little bit earlier in, in my life stage. <laughs> I was, um, I think like 17 when I first read The Fountainhead. And now it actually didn't, like, I liked it, but it didn't have like the explosive, you know, feeling that a lot of people describe. But um, I did, you know, once I read Atlas Shrugged a few years later, I had actually read We the Living before that, and then, and then Atlas Shrugged, that's when it came. 
to me. That's when it, and then then her nonfiction, and then I got more and more and more into it, and it started blowing my mind more and more. But one of the things I think you're um, you seem to be reacting to is a common experience we have as we as those of us who not only read Ayn Rand, you know, think about her ideas, but then interact with p- other people who have on a on a wide scale. People, you know, people we might think of as in the movement. So, you know, there's a lot of, like, there's a lot of uh, people who've read Ayn Rand, been influenced by her and never meet another objectivist, really, because she sells millions of books, right. right? And there are not millions of people who are considering themselves objectivists in any real sense. You know, they're just, they like Ayn Rand. They, they think yeah. there's, she's great. And that's, that's awesome. I think that's wonderful. But when you, if, if you are, for whatever reason, you get more into the philosophy, you like the philosophy, you dig into it more and then you might go to like conferences and groups and meetups you might meet people and the question then is Seth what I think you're talking about is like you know what life stage is that person at and how has it you know how is it manifesting in that individual at this moment yeah. so if you were to meet me at like 19 I was the most <laughs> obnoxious uh, objectivist I was the stereotype 100 percent you know, someone would argue with me politically. And what I literally, the, one of the first times this happened in a call, I was, I went to a junior college at, to start and, you know, we had some political discussion in a writing class. And like, I was so angry and I went home and I typed up this essay, but, and I basically though, I just kind of like copied and pasted, like quoted um, man's rights by Ayn Rand and like mass. And I gave this guy this tome <laughs> of a paper that I wrote to kind of explain, and he would just look to me like, the hell is happening? Like the what next day, I did, yeah. right? <laughs> it was so weird. Uh, and just all things like that. And, you know, cause I was, I just learned about, it. I didn't know anything about ideas. Until yeah. That's fascinating. Yeah. Like I come across people, um, you know, in all sorts of places, you know, objectivists or not. And like, you know, to a lot of people, I find like they, find the ideas of objectivism obvious, you know, like, Oh, this is like, obviously we need capitalism or obviously like, I don't like it when people know, say that. Bad, by I, the way. Huh? <laughs> At first, I don't like it when people say that, but go oh, yeah. Yeah. But it's, you know, it's like, they treat like, like, Oh, this is such a terrible idea, you know? And yeah, it's like, you're not wrong in the analysis of like this specific thing, but you know, like it, coming from uh, discovering it later in life, and like, I didn't just discover it. Like I really spent a lot of time integrating it. Like it resonated mm-hmm. with me. And I, and, and I went like all the, like I was, I was, I was all in on it. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was like a decade in my life where like all I, well, maybe less than that, but still like all I was reading was, uh, was objectivism. I read like all the nonfiction books, yeah, you know, yeah. then, then, and, and, and I read, you know, you know, the fiction too, but yeah. like not, you know, just sort of as like a break almost, you know, I even read like, you know, Ayn Rand's letters. Like I was I, like, mm-hmm. it like really impacted my life and why I was so deep. And it took so long is I realized like I had all these ideas that were predicated on other ideas. Mm-hmm. And so I had to keep, basically, if I wanted to be consistent, I had to keep um, untangling all these ideas. You know, it's like, all right, like I believe in capitalism. Like why? Okay. Like, like, uh, because obviously the world is great and we need it, but we can't have, we can't, you know, can't have, can't, we can't have deregulation. Like we need someone, right. To kind of make sure people don't agree, doesn't get out of control, but like, that's a premise. And then you have to go on to that one. And so I feel like, like, so now I'm like, when I, when I, when I interact with people, I just realize that like, unless you're like 
even an objectivist, like you can even be an objectivist and not have integrated Rand's ideas. Like I come across this, I don't want to say a lot, but I have come across people who like are fans of Rand, but they haven't really integrated the ideas all the way down to like an actual percept, you know, for example. So do you think they have to? I need well, to? you know, I, I, I don't, <laughs> well, it depends. Like, what is your goal? Like, um, yeah. You know, if, to I understand the philosophy, I think yes. Um, to mm-hmm. use it to improve your life, I don't think so. You know, I think yeah. you know, I don't think you necessarily have to. But you know, when you when, when I come across and like people are arguing, like for for certain points, I like, take like politics for example. Like you have to understand who you're arguing with has like this crazy complex con- like person like context that is different than yours. And to bridge those two is like very difficult. And like some people have like really misintegrated to use like kind of Peacock terms, very misintegrated views. And some people have like very disintegrated views. And I find that like the better people, you know, kind of like the, you know, like kind of like the general population is just more or less misintegrated in a sense. Like they're not bad people. Like they, they see what you see, but like, they, the, the context is just like, it, there's so much context, like behind it, like imagine what you need to get free markets. Like how many, fa- how many fans of capitalism are there in America, but how many fans of laissez-faire capitalism are there in America? Like the laissez-faire are in, like just tiny compared to capitalism, which to me is like the pro-capitalist per se, which to me is just like, my, like, like, how do you separate those two, you know, but mm-hmm. then I remember, like, I was one of those people, you know, and, and what that required was a whole way required the whole integration of objectivism of going down from the political to the moral to the metaphysical in a sense and like, you know, most people aren't even aware that there are choices for, for these things so I'm always like fascinated by it. Well, okay, so it seems like you're, you're talking about a couple of things here so there's. There's when you adopted or learned, first learned about objectivism, mm-hmm. then there's how you and how much you study and integrate it into your broader life. And then there's the persuasive element of t- communicating with another person mm-hmm. who might be at a different, you know, ha- have a completely different context, understanding, knowledge, experience in the world. Uh, belief system, epistemology, metaphysical view that are very different and contra your own. And yeah. there's a gap in your persuasion when you're trying to talk to them. And I think yeah. they are very distinctively different perspectives that you, or view ideas that you're talking about now. So let like, me, go ahead. Let me, let me integrate them for you. Right. Um, because this is, this is, I think the, the, the integrating point that, that I, that I, ha- that I haven't met the age I find my, like Lisa, as it pertains to me, the age at which I came to objectivism impacted how, how much unwinding of previous contexts that I had to do such that now, like I see that, like, if like, like, like you came to objectivism at, at, you know, at 19, right. So Mm -hmm. the amount of just into into mental development between you at 19 and you now is like, you know, there's, there's more, right. I don't know how much more, but there's definitely more. So, you know, I'm basically 19. uh, Yeah. I mean, (laughs) you know, know, I mean, the older you, the, the older we go and the we get and the more experiences we have, the more context we, we, we have, right. Like the more, well, but that context could be in the wrong perspective, like in the wrong Avenue, even if you come to objectivism early. 
So like if your premise was correct, like then anybody who read Ayn Rand early would then automatically become, you know, a great thinker in their thirties and forties. And this is, this is the issue. That's is, not true. Yeah, exactly. That's definitely yeah. not true. That's and, too, yeah. Cause the issue, he, so age, so one, I wouldn't say that age is the primary factor. I mean, you do need time in order to think through these issues or not, right. Or to go thinking through other issues and, and evading certain issues. Yeah. And there's a whole, there's a whole skew. So like what makes you unique was not that you were 30 when you learned Ayn Rand was that you went with a clear conscience to want to understand and integrate or not as honestly as possible, this radical new philosophy. Mm. So you could do that at 15. I mean, there's no reason why, and the 15 year olds do it all the time. Now, are they going to get it to the same level of high abstraction and integration of all these concretes that you at 30, because you've had so many examples, like for instance, you need to have a history in order to really understand morality, I think. Like, and I mean, your own history. You could study history, but you have to know, like, you know, when I was 18, 19, I was selling stuff. I would sometimes bend the truth a little bit to get my way. And then I'd get a screaming customer. Well, I have to, I have to know that. I have to learn like that sure. honesty pays, but it's good to be honest because I'm getting this person pissed at me. Or like, look at the way I behaved with this girlfriend. Well, why did she break up with me? It's her fault, right? No, it's my fault. I did, I did this, I did X, I did Y, Z. You need to have those types of experiences at work. You need to meet people. You need to talk to them. You need to see them behave over time. I mean, so I agree that time is a fundamental factor because that's just you know how existence works and you have to do that. But age does it. Some people are really good at it, really smart, and they get it really early. And I think they, those, you know, like Ayn Rand got it pretty early. <laughs> she invented it, right? And so she was like nine or 10 when she got it. Um, now, what I do think you're experiencing is something we all experience, where in our youth, you know, when, when we're young, there is a, a, an obnoxious behavior that can occur often with anybody who accepts or learns a new radical idea. I mean, you could see this with Christians, with libertarians, with anarcho-capitalists, yeah. with leftists, with Republicans on turning point. Like, they could be so annoying and they don't listen. They don't care what you think. I think that's a, that is a common trait of a lot of young people. Um, no, not all, again, not all, some, you know, I, a lot of people are like old souls right away. And they're like very mature and wise There's, and like the, you know, so it's possible. Yeah. Um, I mean, if, if, if I've just learned not as anything, likely. yeah, if I've learned anything from Twitters, there's, a, there's, there's and there's a lot of people who, who learned Ayn Rand and read Ayn Rand for the first time in their thirties and they were worse than anybody. And not just in terms of like being didactic, but I mean, in terms of evasiveness and like, so again, the age I think is not the issue. It's the soul, the character and the choice that you make to think through or to evade. Do you think there's a quantity of context that makes it harder maybe as you're older? Because now I see your point as maybe uh, it can be also hard when you're young too, because you don't have certain experiences. Like, so like, oh, yeah. it may be hard That's, to like, yeah. you know, like it may be hard. Oh, yeah, you, yeah. Like, like you can't integrate certain experiences because I, you haven't had them yet. Just I, as a, <laughs> that's a hundred percent. Yeah. You can't integrate what you haven't had. And I right. think one of um, Leonard Peikoff's life goals, he has stated besides like disseminating and thinking about it and expressing was to eradicate rationalism among objectivists. Right. The idea yeah. of rationalism, which 
was that to me was one of the biggest revelations of my experience was, um, you know, his courses where he talked about understanding objectivism and not doing it rationalistically. And part of that means acknowledging, like, you know, his course hammers home over and over and over and over again, the, the whole idea of integrating by base, like really looking at and thinking through it. So like if anybody believes that they have achieved a knowledge of objectivism, I think they're misunderstanding themselves because I'm in an OPAR group. I was an, I'm a four year, I'm a graduate of the four year program of OAC. You know, I was trained by like, you know, Dr. Ankar Gatte and all these people, Alex Epstein edited my first paper. I worked for him. Like, like, um, I've had Ben Bayer edit my papers and rip them apart in a beautiful way. And, um, I'm in a group right now, an OPAR group right now, where Ben, Dr. Ben Bayer's, you know, comes out and hangs out sometimes because he's here in Austin, although he can't, you know, he's so busy, he doesn't do it all the time. But, and I'm always blown away that, you know, I'm 36. I've been reading this stuff since my early twenties and I'm still like, damn, I don't, I don't know. I don't understand that at all. Yeah. Or I, I forgot something like, and he's just like blowing my mind all the time again. Yeah. And I, no, and even though I've read it for a long, you know, a lot of times. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. Like uh, just thinking about what you were saying, like rationalism, objectivist or not, you know, whatever your belief is, but just rationalism may be like the biggest you know, public enemy number one, right? Because even you know, just believing, you know, taking an idea and like you kind of have to do it, right? Like, you know, like imagine yourself, like, like I have kids, like my kids, like have to believe certain things I say, like based on their own survival, right? They have to trust me on certain ideas, mm -hmm. you know, cause they're, you know, they don't have the, they don't have the context. Well, they, they don't have to, but you can make them. Well, cause it yeah, is for well, their own survival, whether they understand it or not, it, right? Yeah, like don't exactly, run out right? in the middle street. I'm going to rip you away from the street if you do. Exactly. Right. And like, it's like, like they it, want to, and it's like, they hate it. Like, no, let me run. But I almost got hit when I was young, but cause I was like trying my tricycle. My dad ran out and ripped me away. Cause the truck almost hit me. And it was like, yeah, you know, I didn't want that. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly you gotta have, so, yeah so it's like uh, it's like you kind of start with this mixture of like rat it feels like like maybe like when you're born i have no idea i'm just going off a tangent here so i you know feel free to rip me apart in the chat everyone but like it feels like when you're born <laughs> you're kind of dealing with this mixture of like own experience observation and rationalism in a sense where like you believe you know you're taught certain things and you follow those things, but like you don't have the firsthand experience to actually test, to like know that those things are true in a sense, to integrate those things. And then as you get older, you know, you can sort of integrate like, like a bunch of ideas, you know? Well, I think, so I do think that's a complex thing because we're now we're talking about early education. So like, it, you know, if we're talking about like Montessori and things like that, like, you know, you, you don't need that much to integrate that fire was burned. You don't need that many experiences. Right right? That fire burns so that this breaks your leg. If you fall off a tr out of a tree of a certain height, how about, um, how about you know, don't, don't, don't hit your sister. Yeah, exactly. And I think right? those like, are, the, um, those are challenging things to, to deal with as a parent. And those are, those are parenting things that to some degree, you know, a ch child may not care or, or want to address. And, you know, so th this is a whole nother, qu I think this, I think this is a whole nother question to be honest. Okay. Uh, per, like it has to do with, you know, how do you use those opportunities as a parent to educate and train your child, but, you know, in a way that allows them to then eventually understand for themselves, right? Um, and, and there is a communicative method that Montessori, Heim Gannat, these people have advocated for that I think are, are useful. 
And at the same time, there's a point when you just have to like say no as the parent, like you, like Jordan Peterson calls it, you are re- stand in for reality for your kids. I think there's a truth. There's some truth there where it's like, you know, reality will kill your kids, but they don't know it. So you are reality in that sense. You're kind of the block, yeah. but that's a little different than like, you know, a 20 year old getting this and then integrating it over time. Uh, because again, they can choose to integrate it. They can you know, work to not integrate it. Like you're saying, like misintegrating or disintegrate right. it or, you know, integrate it into some weird amalgamation to make themselves feel better. Right. And it doesn't actually have anything to do with what Rand was trying to say. True. Yeah, no, that's true. But, but it's like, I'm thinking like almost like, oh, like if you're 19, right? Like you have ideas about the world, right? And yes. if you have the wrong ideas about the world, you, know, you have not integrated them, right? Like you've not integrated certain ideas about the world. You are basically either misintegrated, you know, you're misintegrated, which means you're, you're rationalistic to some degree, right? Well, I think rationalism, but, so just to, to clarify one thing about Peacock's point, I think rationalism is not like a state that you hit or don't hit. It's a process that all of us are guilty or is easy to be part of our thinking process at right. all times or at any time. Like right. it's, it's something like, oh, look, there's, that's a rationalistic statement. I didn't concretize that properly. I didn't logically connect that to something. Right. I don't you really ex- understand what I mean by this. Yeah. And so it's kind of like a, a thing to have in your mind of like, you know, beware of rationalism and like look at it as like a, as a, a precept of, of thinking um, is, yeah. is how I look at it personally. Now, I'm not saying that's what Peacock said exactly. Oh, He's yeah. much smarter and better at it than I am. You know, I was just thinking like, right, because like, like you have to operate, right? Going back to like philosophy, who needs yeah. it, right? You have to operate on certain ideas. And like, like I realized like I hadn't, like, for example, like capitalism, like I hadn't integrated capitalism, right? I essentially... I don't know that I, I learn all stuff all the time. I listen to right, Peacock, but like, but like, your Ron Brooks like, show all the time. And I'm like, Oh shit. <laughs> but, it's like, but, like, but I was operating on these premises, which means like I had like rationalistically accepted certain, certain ideas. Right. So I had to go yeah. back and like confront those ideas. Right. Oh, yeah. So like, yeah. but I'm saying like, even the child, like my kids have to have, they have to accept certain ideas without being able, you know, from me, they don't have to, but like you try and coax them and you try and like, your point is like, I try and integrate certain ideas for them. Like don't hit your sister, but like, it's, you know, at a certain age, like it's so hard to convey that. Right. We're like, you know, he has to, like, if he, if my son, like, for example, accept the idea, like, I'm going to just hit my sister, however I want, kind of like rationalistically. Right. Cause you can't, you don't really into, there's no, in my view, and proper integration of where that's acceptable. Um, then like later on, if you address right. it, is it acceptable to hit your sister? Is that what you're saying? Like if you, if you, if you rationalist, if you integrate it properly, there is a, I guess no, like if I'm she's beating no, you up, you there's can... no way to integrate that properly. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's no way to, to integrate <laughs> okay. that. It's okay to like hit, hit your if sister. you can come up with a syllogism where it works. Then exactly, you can hit right? your sister. <laughs> and that's my point. But that would be yeah, based yeah. off of some kind of rationalization, right? Yeah. Would you agree yeah. with that? Right. Yeah. So like well, but I don't think kids will operate that way. Like it's it's part of what makes them children, according to Aristotle. So I've never had kids. I don't know. I've I've taught kids, okay. but they are like the beings of now, the beings of pure desire in a sense. Like they they're very impulsive. And part of what you're trying to do with education is take those moments to show them how to think through them. So that when they're there and they're ready and they have a fully formed conscious, which I think isn't done at like five, you know, it's a long process. Then, you know, I mean, our brains aren't even 
prefrontal cortex aren't even de- developed till 25 for God's sakes, which is why I tell people don't get married before 25. But um, cause you might be making too much. It's really, it's not to say you can't do it. I'm, anyway. So, um, but yeah, I think, I think it's a, you know, when you're talking about integrating and they're not fully integrated, I, I mean, that's, that's, I think it's clear that a kid is not fully integrated. Oh yeah. I don't, yeah. yeah. I don't know. Like um, again, I guess to me, I would just always go back to like doing the, the guidance, like I always look at them as a teacher, as mo- moments of guiding or sh- moments of like modeling what you want them to eventually do. And then kind of showing them through reason, like using reason for everything, everything right. and, and explaining to them so that one in the hopes, because they're beings of free will or they will be in the hopes that one day they will have that mechanism trained sufficiently to make those decisions on a daily basis, which is very hard. So a couple yeah. of super chats I did want to read real quick. Yeah, uh, Roland, what, what, what other people think about. There's a this lot of stuff in the chat. Yeah. Um, sorry, I haven't been reading as much. Um, so, you know, I'll be objective. Roland said, I'll be objectivist 19 this summer. I think he means 19 years since he did it. All right. Um, Ali Beard for, uh, yeah, for, for me, because watching Supernatural allows the actors on Twitter. For, uh, for me, because watching Supernatural, follow the actors on Twitter, see all the what the hell is mark talking about after okay i don't know what that's saying sorry i can't read all of these um you guys are awesome but keep them coming if you have anything yeah. relevant um i would love to see it yeah thank you uh, bonnie for the super chat too yeah thank you bonnie 52 soon that's awesome um and i'm glad that you uh, i'm glad that you like this topic um that's right yeah. robert said Ro- robert said that he read the fountainhead in high school and thought it was a great story and you know, but not paradigm shifting. It's funny. I had the same thing, Robert. Like I had someone like a boss give it to me. I was, I was an engineer at the time. He gave it to me when I was 22. And like, I, I hated fiction at the time. I love it now. Um, not surprisingly. And I remember I read it and I was like, I actually thought like Peter Keating was like the better character. And like, I thought it was like a good story <laughs> about like architecture. And I was like, yeah, I didn't think much about it. And like, I could tell, like he expected me to have some reaction. I was like, yeah, it's a good book. Well, that's then, like, that's a good yeah, example. And then like, yeah. I, I, I reread it like at like in my mid thirties, I'm like, this is the best book I ever, like, it's my favorite book. It's like the best self-help book. Like it's, I just love it. Like it's my favorite piece of art is like the fountainhead. It's just, it's so interesting. Like how over those years, like I, yeah. li- I literally had like a complete 180 kind of like, well, not quite 180, but, but close to it. Yeah. I think it also re- reflects my psychology at the time too. Yeah. Well, so this is a good thing for us maybe to end on. This is something I'm passionate about because I know exactly what you're talking about. And I think Rand, you know, she made an analogy about free will as being, um, you know, kind of, I don't remember exactly the analogy, it's, but it's not so much a light switch as like a dimmer switch, I think, or maybe that was peak off where you could be more and more dim. In other words, more focused or less focused. It's not an on or off thing where you're not at all focused. You're a little bit focused. Um, when you're like reading something, and I think reading is a good example of this, you know, how could somebody read something like the fountainhead? I come up with something radically different than some, you know, uh, Vox editor editor who, who says he actually read it and then comes up with this monstrous philosophy. And I mean, there's a lot of things that could happen there, but one thing that you're pointing out that I think is possible is that, you know, we don't like reading is not easy. And it, you know, that itself is not, especially a complex novel like that. Because I had a similar reaction when I first read it. I liked it, but I was not blown away. And part of, 
part of the reason why I think is because I was not used to reading great novels or great ideas. And it takes work to like really like not fade in and out when you're reading and just kind of glance over, you know, speeches they make or certain conclusions or certain like observations and concretes that the artist is drawing. And I don't actually connect them with anything or think about them. I just kind of see, oh yeah, look, crazy woman, you know, guy that's blowing stuff up. And (laughs) it was fun. I liked him. He had some great things to say about art and I like art. Beautiful. End of story. And then you you read it and you're like, holy crap. That's why you could read something throughout your life and get different things and understandings from it over and over. I mean, everything, I mean, even Rand, you know, Rand talking on art, right? Everything is there for a reason, right? There's nothing that doesn't happen. In great art, yeah. In great art, yeah. (laughs) There's some art where it's like, I don't, I think this person was just high on something and (laughs) just did it randomly. (laughs) Um, Okay, so my objective is age, last thoughts, you know, of uh, Seth on on what we've all taken away. And then I'll do a quick little shout out for, uh, for upcoming shows. Yeah, I mean, I just I think it's fascinating because just my own recognition, recognition, recognition of what it's taken to integrate yeah. um, kind of the philosophy and the amount of work that I've done has really made me appreciate kind of, you know, other people's perspectives better and maybe their lack of 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 integrated views on things because I sort of know what it takes and and, and other people, a lot of people aren't even, you know, um, at least I certainly wasn't like um, aware of the choice, you know, kind of the mental choice mm-hmm. there. So, um, you know, I, it's given me just kind of understanding kind of my view is kind of giving me more empathy towards other people. Um, even the, and even the obnoxious ones in, in, in a lot of ways, but, um, Oh yeah. yeah I think it's on this. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I, like you meet the obnoxious young objectivist and, you know, you're also a little bit more, understanding of their position and yeah, that, that totally. is something that comes with age i think that's yeah. a big part of something that comes with age i mean it's yeah, that's fair but yeah that's fascinating you know seeing what's going on in the chat and everyone's sort of experiences with it too so and you know last yeah. thought is like this this journey doesn't doesn't end until uh until they they will you out in a pine box so exactly uh, yeah, you, you should know, always be integrating you should always and that's why you need these guidances of how to think because i don't know why i'm doing the crazy there you thing, go ABI, right? We have a new, uh, a new, uh, a new slang turn. Always, Always be integrated. Yeah. yeah. Well, that thinking is integrating as, um, as Peacock said it. And, yeah. you know, the choice of human and uh, humanity is to think or not to think. Yeah, that's true. So, and I agree with that. I think those are good precepts, good ideas to hold in your mind and to always do. So, um, okay. So upcoming shows at 7 PM UK time. Enjoy, enjoy parenting with Lisa Van Dam and Kyle Steele at 10 p.m. UK time, where there you could ask some of the questions that we brought up as uh, me not having kids and knowing very little about parenting and Seth uh, Levine. Levine. Yeah. I I was like, ah, Uh, Levine, uh, you know, having good thoughts about what we should be doing as parents and some ideas there. Ask the, you know, if you have questions, come back and talk to uh, Lisa and Kyle about that. And then at 10 p.m. UK time, Life on Earth, with Robert Nasser and uh, Amy Nasser, uh, Productiveness, Vacations, Rourke, and Wynette. Uh, so I think they're going to be talking about Productiveness, Vacations, which I think um, I need, and Rourke and Wynette. <laughs> That's a fact. I mean. Although I, Ocon's coming up, baby. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll tell you. One that thing going? Had that, that totally struck me was how Rourke used vacation productively. So that's, that's going to be an interesting, an interesting oh. topic. 
Oh yeah, and it's in well, the fountain. Was- got to reread the fountainhead. There you go. No, I mean I. I guess I didn't know if it as he used it productively. I wouldn't put it. I do know that scene. It's a beautiful scene. Anyway, um, so that's a question for Robert and Amy. So go talk to them. Uh, enjoy their show. And I thank you guys all for joining. And thank you, Seth. And hopefully yeah. I'll have a show with you again in the future. Yeah, we'll see. And yeah, everyone, have a great uh, rest of your week. All right, take care. Bye. ABI. <laughs>